Join me in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and this morning I want to speak on the subject, the three resurrections that we need. I, I hope that as a result of this message, you'll begin to organize your life and your thoughts about your current life, your future life, your walk with God and walk with one another around the idea of resurrection. And the Bible teaches that there are three resurrections that we need. Of course, all based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what a fabulous message. You could go anywhere in the world today and look at the gravesite of world religion leaders and every one of them is still in the ground. Uh, you can't blame them. I mean, they're, they're just humans like anyone else. We're all subject to the fall and to sin. And we go to the ground, we go to the grave. Jesus went to the cross with our sins, none of his own because he had none. He was put into the ground where buried he carried our sins far away. And rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, a glorious day. Uh, a teacher shared the story of resurrection in Sunday school one morning with some third grade kids. And she said, what were Jesus' first words out of the tomb? And one boy said, ta-da! Well, that's not quite what he said, but folks, that's what he meant. Uh, what a marvelous miracle that's taken place uh, with the resurrection of Christ. And, and if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have to be comfortable with the language of miracles. The Bible begins with the miracle. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The high point of the Bible is a miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It ends with a flurry of miracles in the resurrection. God does not accommodate human unbelief. God urges faith in the supernatural and the intervention of God in life. And he did that especially in Jesus Christ. And there are actually three miraculous resurrections that we uh, see in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse number 10. Beginning in verse number 10, the apostle writes this, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Well, what are the three resurrections that we need? Well, the first is this. We need the past resurrection of Christ. In verse 11, he references the bodily resurrection of Jesus on the third day, twice, two times in verse 11. He says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, he who raised Christ from the dead. Twice, he mentions the bodily, historical resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was not merely a resurrection of his ethic. It was not merely a resurrection of his spirit. It was an actual resurrection of his body that had been slaughtered at the cross. It is a bodily resurrection. And the resurrection of Christ, according to the book of Romans, is a marvelous confirmation from God of Jesus. It confirms uh, Christ's deity. Romans chapter 1 verse 14 says that he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, all of the Trinity was involved in the resurrection of Christ. The Father raised him, the Holy Spirit raised him, and according to John 2.19, Jesus raised himself. 
Jesus said, speaking of his body as a temple, destroy this temple and three days later I will raise it. Only God can raise the dead. That is beyond the power and purview of any human. Jesus is risen from the dead by the power of the Father, by the power of the Spirit, and by the power of the Son. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. But it confirms his deity. It also confirms not only his deity, it confirms his cross. Romans chapter 4 verse 25 says, He was delivered up on account of our transgressions. So we had transgressions, and that was the cause of Jesus going to the cross. But he was raised on account of our justification. The cross justified us, but that would be an enormous mystery if it were not for the fact that God confirmed it by raising Jesus from the dead. The cross was enough to make any man, woman, boy, and girl who were repent and place faith in Christ right eternally with God. And so the cross met the approval of God, it satisfied the demands and justice of God, so God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. We, we like confirmation. I don't know if you purchase cars uh, very often or not, or used cars especially, but you always want the Carfax on the car. That's research and study of everything from the title to accidents and the number of owners. And uh, the fewer accidents, the better the car is. Uh, the fewer owners, the better the car is. And the clear the t if the title is clear, it's good. The Carfax confirms the car. The same is true with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection confirms the cross. So it confirms his deity. It confirms his cross. It also confirms his promises. Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 say that we were washed by his blood through his death. We were saved by his death. And we shall be kept and saved by his life. If a dead Jesus can pay for sin, a living Jesus can keep you eternally. Because he's alive. And so by his resurrection power, he keeps anyone that places faith in him. And then Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 7 say that our body of sin was crucified him, uh, with him on the cross. And we were raised to walk with him in newness of life. You can have a new life in Jesus Christ because what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he is still performing. He is still changing lives. He is still making a difference. Now, I know there are times when people come to Christ and they become faithful to the church. They become generous in their giving. They walk in a holy lifestyle. They begin to minister and serve and tell other people about Jesus. And we get really impressed with that and we say, boy, that's a special Christian. That, that's, a, um, that's a unique Christian. Maybe God's calling that person into ministry or to missionary service. That's a special and unique Christian. Uh-uh. Listen, folks, that's not a special and unique Christian. That's an ordinary Christian. According to the Scripture, that's an ordinary Christian. And we've got to be careful not to lower the expectations of the Christian life based upon what we see around us and the disappointing uh, evidence that we see around us. Instead, we elevate the expectations for the Christian life based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We expect, God expects, the New Testament expects anyone that has repented and placed faith in Jesus Christ to live a resurrected life life because Jesus rose from the dead and it confirms his deity it confirms his cross it confirms every one of his promises in other words all of God has confirmed all of Jesus Christ 
Everything there is of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is invested in one world religion leader and only one, and that's the risen Jesus Christ and none of the others that are still in the ground. Christ and Christ alone. You heard this past week about the burning of the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, France. What a sad thing. And uh, as a result, there's been an awful lot that has been lost. But as I listen to the news reports and stories, I realize there's a great loss of art in the burning of the Cathedral of Notre Dame. A loss of art. There's a loss of architecture. There's a loss of history. The French people feel a terrible sense of loss, and perhaps you shared that. People in my own home were weeping over the burning of the Cathedral of Notre Dame. But what I'd like to tell our French friends there and in the United States and some of our members is that though you have lost something of art, though you have lost something of architecture, though you have lost something of history, you've lost nothing of Jesus Christ. There is nothing at all that can incinerate Jesus Christ. If the cross, if the cross could not hold him, if the grave could not keep him, ladies and gentlemen, nothing can destroy Jesus Christ. He lives forever. You need the resurrection of Christ. That's the first resurrection that we all need. But there is a second, and that is we need not only the past resurrection of Christ, we need the present resurrection of souls. Like I said before, we've lowered the bar in expectation of what it means to be a Christian because of our culture. We've been so disappointed by people who claimed one thing and actually lived another. And so the the sense is in some quarters that to be a Christian is to be mean and to be hypocritical and inconsistent. Uh, And sometimes the uh, name Christian happens to be a criticism. It was not in the New Testament. But let me ask you something. Let's just imagine. Let's imagine that you were the devil. Now, you're not, of course, but let's just imagine that you were the devil, all right? And uh, let's say that you wanted to discourage other people from becoming followers of Jesus Christ. What is it that you would do? What are one of the one, two, three top tactics that you would use to discourage people from turning to Jesus Christ? Well, the first one I would think is to try to demonstrate there's no power, there's no life change, there's no integrity in it. And so I would fill churches with people who are religious, but they've never met Christ in resurrected glory. They have never, ever repented and placed faith in Jesus Christ and received that life change that Christ brings when he comes into the heart and the life. And if you've been disappointed by somebody, I'm really sorry. I wish that weren't the case, but you need to know. Hypocrites in the midst of churches does not disprove the Christian faith. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not at all. Just like the American $20 bill is the most counterfeited bill in the world, the Christian faith is the most counterfeited faith anywhere in the world because it is of value. Listen, when it comes to counterfeiting money, no no one counterfeits bubblegum wrappers. And there is nobody... Nobody counterfeiting any of the money in Latin America that I'm aware of. It's not worth very much, especially in Venezuela. Bless their hearts. No no one's counterfeiting that. They're counterfeiting dollars that are meaningful and valuable, and the only thing that you counterfeit is something that's valuable. No one's counterfeiting atheism. No one's counterfeiting Buddhism. No one's counterfeiting Hinduism. 
Folks, ladies and gentlemen, people are counterfeiting the faith of Jesus Christ because it is worth something. It is valuable. I'm sorry if you've been disappointed, but we've lowered the bar. The Scripture teaches, however, there is a resurrection of the soul that takes place. That is the beginning uh, element of the resurrection that eventually results in the resurrection of the body. But it begins anytime someone opens up his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And the way verse 10 talks about it is in terms of death and life. Now, don't make the mistake of limiting death merely to the death of the body, where the body and spirit are separated and the body stops functioning. That is death, but death is so much more. Have you ever heard of the death of a dream? Have you ever heard of the death of a relationship? Have you ever heard the death of a reputation? Death of integrity? Uh, death is very widespread, and any time there is sin present because of the fall of Adam and Eve, ladies and gentlemen, there is going to be a death. But there's also in verse 10, life. And, and don't limit life merely to the functioning of the body. That, that's part of it. But life is so much more. Have you ever heard of a ball team that stayed alive in the playoffs? That means they still have an opportunity to win a championship and to advance in the playoffs. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard anyone talk about their vacation and say, I got there and man, this is living. Well, there's some joy. There's some relief there. Life is so much more than the body functioning and death is so much more than the body cessation of functions. And that's what goes into verse number 10. Look what it says there. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. It's mortal. It's declining. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that the first breath you take in life is one of your last. The moment we are born, we begin to die. And the first breath in life that you take is one of your last. He could say that because we're going to be dead a lot longer than we're going to be alive. This life is merely a vapor. It's a flash compared to eternity, which never, ever ends. And so the body, because of sin, is dead. In other words, we are declining. And everything that goes on in our body is in the process of dying. Our thoughts oftentimes can be represented by death. Our feelings can oftentimes be represented by death. That those parts that surface and arise from us that build relationships, that they can die as well. And then the body begins to die as well. But then he goes on to say, in verse 10, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, God gives us the gift of righteousness. We never achieve it on our own, but according to Romans 3.22, we receive it by faith. And the moment we repent and place faith in Jesus Christ and His cross and resurrection, God gives us the gift of righteousness and making us righteous at that point, he then gives us life. It's not something that we achieve. I mean, just imagine house-sitting for someone. Imagine you had the opportunity to house-sit for someone, and, and you did a miserable job, and they turn and uh, they, they return to the home, and they end up giving you the home and everything in it because you're humble, because you trust them. That's what God has done with His great gift of righteousness. He shares it with all who will trust Christ as Savior and Lord. And that's why we can approach Him. That's why we can know Him. That's why we can have hope of heaven. Not on the basis of our performance. Not on the basis of our goodness and virtue. 
which are laughable, but because of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross and resurrection and our faith in it, God immediately gives us the gift of righteousness. And so there is a need then to have this resurrection in heart and life. Hey, in Kobani, Syria, there's a remarkable thing happening. It's on the border with Turkey. And the Islamic State has come in and attempted to implement Sharia law. And it's turned off all the Muslims that are there. The abuse, the hatefulness, the degradation, the misery, the fact that the, this war has nearly blown out and blown up just about every home and building in that city in 40,000 has turned off Muslims in that city. Someone came along and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And one by one, they're turning to Jesus Christ in Kobani, Syria. One man said that he came to the town and the city and he saw these new Christians that had formerly been Muslim uh, happy and talking all the time about love. And it made a difference. And they're turning to Jesus Christ. They're not changing their name so as to hide their identity either. They're going public for Jesus Christ and standing for Him because Christ has come into their lives and He has raised them up internally. Listen, if you were to open up your heart and life to Jesus Christ today, let me be very transparent about what would start happening with you. Jesus Christ would begin shaping and forming you to look like His resurrection. That's what Christ does when He comes into a heart and life. He begins to shape and form those who trust in Him and follow Him into something that looks like His resurrection. What would it be if that would happen in your life? What would that be if that were to happen in your marriage? What would, be, what would it look like if it were to happen in your home and family? And then the balance of your life and this life, and then the next life, if every bit of that was under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He was to shape you to look like a resurrection. You know, only Jesus is offering this deal. How do I get on, in on it? Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In other words, you make an honest confession that Jesus Christ is now your Lord. You believe he's God and he's risen and you're taking him as Lord. And then you believe in your heart, not just your head. You know, there are a lot of folks that agree in their head that Jesus is Lord and risen. But they need an 18-inch surgery between their head and their heart to get it internal and inside. And believe in their heart, just like you believe in your spouse, like you believe in your children, like you believe in, in others. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and without equivocation, hesitation, reservation, God says, he shall be saved. That's what God will do. And so we need that resurrection on the inside. But there's a third resurrection that we need as well. Not only the past resurrection of Christ and not only the present resurrection of souls, but we need the future resurrection of the body. Verse number 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This future resurrection, or excuse me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, is a promise, it's a pledge, and it's a pattern. What, what, what happened to Jesus Christ can happen with you as well. The story of Jesus Christ becomes a pattern for your life. It also becomes a promise. It becomes a pledge as well. The Holy Spirit's presence in your heart and life is a down payment on future delivery 
of greater promises is what the scripture teaches. And so just as Jesus was raised from the dead, the Father promises he will raise your body from the dead if you repent and place faith in Jesus Christ. One day he'll bring it about. Now do you know why that's important? Do you know why it's important to have a body raised from the dead? Because in the future heaven, the future kingdom, we're not going to be, God does not want us to be, a bunch of disembodied spirits detached from a body. The future heaven and the future kingdom is just as material and just as physical as this life is without sin or imperfection of any kind. And he is going to bring it. God has a bias in favor of not only the spiritual, he also has a bias in favor of the material and the physical. And the future kingdom is going to be as material and physical as anything you have touched and as anything as you've handled. That's why it's necessary for your body to come up from the dead. And he promises a victorious resurrection in Jesus Christ if you've repented and placed faith in him. And that's how he's going to pull it off. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He who believes in me shall never die, is what Jesus himself promises. In, in other words, in other words um, it, it's much like all the funerals I've done, nearly all of them. I've stood by that graveside at the committal service, and I have had... Every time I've buried a Christian, I've been able to look at this family and reach a climax, a high point in the service by stating this one thing. This grave does not get the last word. Jesus Christ gets the last word because he is the resurrection and he is the life. Well, what is it that I do then? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. To confess means to say the same thing as. If you'll say the same thing about Jesus Christ that the Father does, and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, is what he promises. Well, let, let me illustrate it this way. Have you ever changed any of your habits that have affected your health? Have you ever done that in your entire life? So some of you have given up tobacco products because you were concerned about your health. Your doctor and family fussed at you, and you turned that away. So some of you have given up and, and been really victorious, and I'd love to hear your story one day, but some of you have given up abuse of prescription drugs and illegal drugs. You're concerned about your health. Some of you have given up your wild ways on Atlanta Highway in your vehicle. And the rest of us appreciate it. Some of you... A few of you, at least, have uh, given up texting and driving and using your phone. I know it's against the law. It makes no difference in some people's lives, but you, you've decided to do that. You're concerned about safety, and you're concerned about health. Well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that we are to do something similar with Jesus Christ. What you've done by making some decisions about your health is that you've decided that what you were currently doing was a threat. And you changed your mind. And you trusted a different way was better for your health. Right now, saying no to Jesus Christ is a threat to your eternity. It's a threat to your life. And especially your eternity. If you'll make the decision today that you're going to let some other authority control you, Jesus Christ, he's going to be your boss. 
And if you'll trust that his cross and resurrection is the true way and the better way, God will save you. That's what he'll do. And Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what God promises. And you know how passionate he is about this? He's so passionate, he came up with the plan to send his son to the cross and raise him from the dead and get this good news to you on a day like today. That's what this God has done. You need three resurrections, and not only do you need three resurrections, you can have them in Christ, and you can have them today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, and thank you for the opportunity to say yes to him.